Hello, hello, hello! Welcome to Wake Up to the Word. This is Old Testament Thursday edition, and we've got lots, lots to cover. I don't have any idea if we will be able to get there or not. First of all, you're on the last week of your first quarter Bible reading plan. And after New Testament Friday, you may jettison that plan and retrieve your new plan, which if you are on the mailing list from wakeuptotheword.org, you had one mailed directly to your email box, and you can print that out at your leisure. If not, if you are not on the Wake Up to the Word email list, then you're missing out. Sorry. But you'll have to go to lifecoast.org. What's happening on the menu bar? And you'll see second quarter chronological Bible reading plan. Click on that link. And you will see the PDF that looks something like this. And then you will be able to print out for yourself and save for your own records your second quarter Bible reading plan. That begins next week. It starts in April, April 1st. No fooling. <laughs> and, uh... Okay, sorry about that. Um, <laughs> yeah, we'll do this. There you go, you're gone. How about this one? Got the buzzer on that one. So, rim shot. Okay, we'll go with that one. <laughs> Not funny at all. Starts on April 1st, and, uh, uh, but that's your Sabbath. And then Sunday, the Lord's Day, and we don't start reading till April 3rd. The 3rd, Okay. So, but we are still on the first quarter Bible reading plan. Um, I already shared this once before, but I just wanted to thank you again for responding to the poll. It's been taken down now, but 83% uh, of you, 83.3% of you uh, listen, listen and watch simultaneously. So that's, uh, th thank you very much for that and letting me know. So I realize, I find, I discover that recording it Video is not uh, wasted uh, on the visually uh, uh, impaired or the videoing impaired. I guess that'd be a better way to put it. So um, a couple of you just uh, told me you discovered how to watch it. Uh, you were didn't see how. It had, took some uh, trial and error to figure it out. So we're glad you stuck with it and figured it out. And you're watching right now, right from the comfort of wherever you are. So we're going to say, if you're listening in the morning, good morning to you. We are Wake Up to the Word, and uh, we are getting ready to get into the Word. So let's get ready to rumble. There you go. Uh, our reading for this week is in Exodus, our Old Testament reading is in Exodus, Exodus 7 through 14. So that's a lot of stuff going on here. 
And you better throw on some ancient Hebrew eyes if you're going to be reading this. So let me throw on my ancient Hebrew eyes. I'm going to get you started right away because we're going to have to stop and pause at verse 1. So let me read it to you. 7-1. And the Lord said to Moses, See, I have made you like God to Pharaoh, and your brother Aaron shall be your prophet. Why is that so <clears throat> powerful? Because the word is Elohim. Elohim. And I have made you, in Hebrew, it's actually, I have made you like the gods. I have made you like God to Pharaoh. Why is that important? Because Pharaoh, the entire land of Egypt, were false Elohim worshipers, okay? They had a whole nother set of Elohim that they were worshiping, that they called gods. And we're going to talk about them because it's very important to understand that. There's two things we need to understand about Egypt as we go through this. This symbolic, uh, this true exchange, this true interaction of peoples is symbolic of God's people and the people of the world. Israel represent the people of God. Egypt represent the people of the world. And we need to understand that is that this is going to be one of those cosmic battles. It's going to show us something going on here in um, the realm of the spiritual world, okay? And it's going to play itself out within the physical world. So, all right. So it says, God hardened Pharaoh's heart. I'm not going to be able to go through all the little nuances of this because there's so much stuff in here, but just I'll pick out some some things for us to kind of look at and ponder. And uh, uh, But I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and though I multiply my signs and wonders in the land of Egypt, Pharaoh will not listen to you. Okay, then what? Then I will lay my hand on Egypt and bring my host, my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great acts of judgment. The Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. I am Yahovah. They'll know who I am. Um, gives the ages of Moses. He's 80 and Aaron's 83. So, uh, uh, then the, the Pharaoh, uh, uh, so Moses goes, uh, and, uh, cast his staff down. Aaron goes, uh, Aaron goes and casts the staff down and, uh, before Pharaoh and it turns into a serpent. And then Pharaoh summons his wise men, his sorcerers, his workers of magic, and they duplicate the event always curious about that is that they duplicated it and there's a little word in there it says a little phrase excuse me and they the magicians of egypt also did the same by their secret arts their secret arts so what is going on there 
there's something ugly there. There's some kind of interaction, some kind of... Did, did they do the magic on themselves? Was it sleight of hand? Was it deception? Or were there Elohim, lesser Elohim, the Elohim that the Egyptians worshipped, were they at work there? Very interesting. Secret arts. Secret arts. Um, so the first plague now, there's 10 plagues coming. This is very important, okay? And Moses is and Aaron are going to go to the Nile. They're going to stand on the banks of the Nile. This is uh, verse 15. Stand on the banks on the Nile. Uh, um, he says, go to Pharaoh in the morning, 15, as he is going out to the water, stand on the bank of the Nile to meet him and take in your hand the staff that turns into a serpent. And you shall say to him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews sent me to you saying, let my people go that they may serve me in the wilderness. But so far you have not obeyed, thus says the Lord. By this you shall know that I am the Lord. There's another interesting phrase in 16. I got to go, I got to go over here. It says, uh, and you shall say to him, the Lord, Yahovah, the the Elohim of the Hebrews sent me to you. See, if you're reading this in Hebrew, this is saying something. This is a, a challenge. Okay, this is this is uh, I am challenging your gods. I am challenging them because Yahovah. I'm giving you the name Yahovah. The Elohim of the Hebrews sent me to you to say these things, to tell you these things, to warn you about what is going to happen. And so he's telling him he's going to turn the Nile into blood and all the fish are going to die and and everything in there is going to die. Not just the Nile, but all the tributaries and everything. So here's the thing. The Nile was the representative of one of their gods. Napi, I mean, excuse me, Hapi was the god, and that is the god of the Nile, the god of the the sustenance, the life, the fish. It's it's That's the god. He's the Elohim, one of the Elohims of the Nile. And so this is a direct attack. Yahovah, the Elohim of the Hebrews, is attacking Hapi, the Elohim of the Egyptians. And so you're going to see this is the pattern for the entire 10 plagues of Egypt. And you go, holy cow. Maybe I didn't see this before. Maybe I did. But every single one of these, uh, there's a there's a god or a goddess who is worshipped by the Egyptians and is one of the lesser Elohim that came down and is part of the Egyptian culture. Some might be false, completely idols. Others may actually have existence as an Elohim. I don't know how to determine the distinction at this point. They still worship them all. So uh, we'll go through the plagues. I'll tell you which what the God is. I'll pull out any significant 
passages that are there, phrases or terms. But uh, the next, the second one was the plague of frogs, and this was uh, f- the frog was the representative of the Elohim Heket, the fertility uh, and water renewal. So these frogs came in, and uh, then later on down in that passage, uh, Moses said, uh, "Be as it be as be it as you say, so that you may know that there is no there." There is no one like the Lord our God. That's what the ESV says. I went to the Hebrew and it says, there is none like Yahovah, our Elohim. There's none like him. And that, that, when you say it in English, there is no one like our God. There is no no one like the Lord our God. Uh, Yes, it's a powerful statement, but there is none like Yahovah. Our Elohim, that is a much more powerful statement. And uh, so then we get to the third plague, the gnats. And this one's interesting because it's not just the gnats. And if you read it carefully, you, you really see what he says. Then the Lord said to Moses, say to Aaron, this is a verse 16 of chapter 8, stretch out your staff like the dust in strike the dust of the earth, putting glasses back on, I can actually read the words, so that it may become it may become gnats in all the land of Egypt. And they did so. Aaron stretched out his hand and his staff and struck the dust of the earth, and there were gnats on man and beast. All the dust of the earth became gnats in all the land of Egypt. Can you imagine how many gnats that was? But the the God, the Elohim of Egypt called Geb, is the God of the earth, God of the, the soil. And so the very earth turned into gnats, which, which were against them. So the very God of the earth was powerless to not turn into a gnat and go against Egypt. The next one was flies, the fourth plague flies, and that... Uh, um, and the interesting thing is there's a distinction now made in this one as the flies come, and that's Kepri. The, uh, this is the god of the creation and the movement of the sun and of rebirth. That's a, Kepri is that god, and the fly, the re- fly was its representative. Don't tell me, ask me why, I have no idea. But the, but the head of a fly was the representative of this particular god, Kepri. So... Um, we read down, it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Rise up early in the morning, this is 20, and present yourself to Pharaoh, 20 in, ver- in chapter 8, sorry, present yourself to Pharaoh as he goes out to the water and say to him, Thus says the Lord, Let let my people go. Uh, yeah, I got to sing that one, sorry. Uh that they may serve me, or else if you will not let my people go, behold, I will send swarms of flies on you and your servants and your people and into your house houses, and the houses of the Egyptians shall fill with swarms of flies and also the ground on which they stand. But on that day I will set apart the land of Goshen. You remember that land of Goshen was given to the people of Israel by the Pharaoh who Joseph had favor with. So it was given to Joseph's family, the land of Goshen, way back 400 years before this. And so 
They're still in that land. That's still their land. That's still where they are. But on that day, I will set apart the land of Goshen where my people dwell so that no swarms of flies shall be there that you may know that I am Yehovah in the midst of the earth. Thus, I will put a division between my people and your people. Tomorrow, this sign shall happen. Um, and then it says later on in 24, throughout all the land of Egypt, the land was ruined, ruined by the swarms of flies. That's disgusting. Um, but Pharaoh, now you get down to 32 and it, and it has a little more of a tweak to it. But Pharaoh hardened his heart this time also and did not let the people go. So remember, it's God hardened his heart. Now it's Pharaoh hardened his heart. So a lot of people ask this question. I waited till I got to this point. Well, how do we can we blame Pharaoh if God has hardened his heart? Well, the issue is Pharaoh's heart was already hardened. His heart was already hardened. and at this point, God just uses the hardening to fulfill his purposes. He either amplifies it or uh, it reinforces it. But this still began with Pharaoh having a hard heart. Um, we, we already know that this Pharaoh just totally forgot about Joseph and all that the Israelites did for the Egyptians, but he hardened his heart, and he's he's placed, um, he's placed this hardening into this. Uh, he, now he's letting him run. Sorry, I got all dis disclaimered there. So uh, I'm taking. I, I, I'm. Uh, I'm. Uh, I'm going to try something new today. Uh, I'm going to take a break right here. I'm going to come back and do chapter nine. You can take a little word from our sponsor. All right, welcome back, welcome back. Second half, and I wanted to give a shout-out for my coffee of the week. This is a New England brand coffee, Caramel Macchiato, New England brand. Served to me in my beautiful gift cup from Bob and Cindy Cutler. Wake up to the word with a handsome guy in the middle. Oh, no, sorry, that that's me. <laughs> Not a handsome guy. So, <laughs> uh, thanks for the gift. And uh, I was thinking about some merch for Wake Up to the Word, and, and Wake Up to the Word mug was a perfect idea. I was already thinking of it, and you got me a gift of a mug. I don't know if that's a sign or not, but uh, I'm going to look into it. Maybe uh, getting some in bulk, and uh, people can... Pick them up through the website, Wake Up to the Word, and um, I don't know. I'm going to start looking into it, but uh, don't worry. You won't get the face on it, <laughs> but thank you, Bob and Cindy, for the gift. I appreciate it. It's awesome. It's what we'll use each morning. So, all righty. So, chapter nine. We got uh, the... Fifth plague of Egypt is the livestock, and that is from the god uh, Hathor, and that is the the god of love and protection. And this he was represented by a bovine, and so all the livestock 
are are taken out here. Uh, the horses, the livestock, the donkeys, the camels, the herds, everything was taken out. The next one was boils, and that is an attack on Isis. I know you've heard of that god, Isis, and she is the goddess of medicine and peace, but nothing could stop these boils. As a matter of fact, they were so... Uh, devastating that if you look at uh, 9-11, it says, and the magicians could not stand before Moses because of the boils, for the boils came upon the magicians and upon all the Egyptians. So it attacked them so gravely that even the ones who generally went after, uh, who who uh, summoned uh, Isis, uh, were the ones that were more deeply affected. So uh they were just absolutely crushed by this. The next one is Hail. The seventh plague is Hail. Newt, the goddess of the sky. And so the sky just rained down hail and destroyed everything. It just wiped it out. Um, and and interesting, um, interesting terminology that came down. We'll start at 19. Now, therefore, uh, now therefore send... Get your livestock and all you have in the field into safe shelter for every man and beast that is in the field and has not brought home will die when the hail falls on them. And verse 20, then whoever fears the word of the Lord among the servants of the Pharaoh hurried his slaves and his livestock into the house, but whoever did not pay attention to the word of the Lord left his slaves and his livestock in the field. So he stretched out his hand, and of course, everything uh, everything came down. So the eighth plague, chapter 10, is Seth, the god of storms and disorder. And the locust came in like a storm and devoured the things of the land. And uh, uh, Lord, Moses stretched out his hand over the land uh, for the locust so that they may come upon the land of Egypt and eat every plant in the land, all that the hail had left. So Moses stretched out his, his staff over the land of Egypt, and the Lord brought an east wind upon all the that day, all the land that day, and all the night when it was morning, the east wind had brought the locusts. The locusts came up over all the land of Egypt and settled in the whole country. So uh, the, the locusts came in. And then verse 20, but the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart and he did not let the people go. There's a couple of things going on with the hardening of the heart. Sometimes the verse says, and and Pharaoh hardened his own heart. Um, that's a 32 of verse of chapter 8, but Pharaoh hardened his heart this time also. And so and then other times it's the Lord hardened his heart. And so the truth of the matter is, is Pharaoh's heart is hard. He's hard towards the things of the Lord, and he's hard towards relenting to what God is telling him to do. But God is pushing his heart to not decide, hardening it further to let the people go. He's, he's given him a, a spite, a bitter heart towards the people of Egypt. It's like someone does something against you, and you just want to push back on them. You don't want to uh, it's it's that same kind of hardening until you just kind of soften up and relent. But the the Lord wanted to rise up because he had purposes that he wanted to continue to show. He wanted his power that he wanted to continue to show. He wanted to bring down these 
lesser Elohim and false idols and show that they were inept. They had no power against Yahovah, the Elohim of the Hebrews. So um, the ninth plague is darkness. And this one's huge because the the God of the sun is Ra at, at, um, in Egypt. And so then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand towards the heaven and there will be darkness over the land of Egypt. And the coolest thing is, is that there was no darkness over the land of Goshen where God's people were. It was light there. But for three days, Egypt was in darkness, but there was light over where the uh, people of God were. That's the most amazing thing. Uh, they didn't. It was so dark they couldn't even see each other. That's incredible. And then we come to the final plague and the final threat of the final plague, and that that plague is going to be death. And it's interesting because it's against uh, Pharaoh himself and his family himself because the Pharaoh was the ultimate god of Egypt, the god of life in Egypt. And so God is going to send the destroyer to come through the land and pass over the land. Some interesting things as we come to 12. This Sunday, I'm going to be uh, teaching, preaching, whatever you want to call it, giving the message at Life Coast Church Sunday, April 2nd, which is Palm Sunday. And we're going to be talking about the Passover. We're talking about this very portion of scripture. And I'm going to give a little bit here. I'm going to unpack more on Sunday. And then I'm going to come back to it next Thursday for Old Testament Thursday and revisit this as we jumpstart into next week's teaching. But I'm going to give you a little bit. So this is very significant. Uh, as in the Passover, the Lord God said to Moses in the land of Egypt, this month shall be for you to begin the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell all the congregation of Israel that in the 10th day of this month, every man shall take a lamb 10th day, very important, 10th day of this, shall take a lamb according to their father's house. So they take that lamb. And so the, verse five, it says, your lamb shall be without blemish, a male year old. You may take it from the sheep or the goats and you shall keep it until the 14th day. Four days they kept the lamb. And that is important. And we're going to look into that. Sunday, a little bit more detail that is very significant, but this was specific instructions from the Lord to Moses. And it says that you'll have unleavened bread. It says, take some blood and put it on the on the two doorposts and the lentil of the house in which they eat. They shall eat the flesh that night, roast the fire and unleavened bread, bitter herbs shall eat it. Do not eat any of the raw or the boiled water. It goes on to for the instructions. And then in verse 12, it says, for I will pass through the land of Egypt that night and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast and all the gods, Elohim, all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am Yahovah. I am the Lord. The blood shall be assigned for you on the houses that you are. When I see the blood, I will pass over, pass over you. No plague will befall you, to destroy you from I strike the land of Egypt. This day shall be for you a memorial day. You shall keep it as a feast to the Lord through your generations as statute forever, and you shall 
keep it as feast. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. Goes on to talk more about that through that chapter. And then we kind of come down to verse 22 when it talks about putting the blood on the posts. Take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin, okay? And touch the lintel and the doorpost with the blood that is in the basin. So the lintel and the doorpost, the lintels, uh, crossbeam, doorpost come down the side and touch it with the blood that's in the basin. The basin of blood is inside the house. None of you shall go out of the door of his house until the morning, for the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the doorposts, and the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer, the destroyer, to enter your house to strike you. Okay, so the wording, the terminology, the instructions seem to lend itself. We've always put the door, the blood on the doorposts of the outside of the house for the angel of death or the destroyer to come by and pass over as he sees the blood. This says the blood seems to lend itself that the blood is on the inside, on the lentil of the inside posts. And what's that symbolic of? That the blood that covers us, that renews us, that keeps the evil from us is on the inside. That the blood of Christ cleanses us from the inside out. Our house is cleansed from the inside out. The Spirit of God cleanses us from the inside out. And that's why James tells us that we work out our salvation with fear and trembling, because from the inside, our spirit is renewed, our spirit is clean, our spirit is forgiven of all our sin, and we're working it out through our flesh, which is still hampered by the sin nature. So we're cleansed from the inside out. Just like the Passover, they passed over them. They were free from death from the inside out. Uh, 430 years as we get to twelve, uh, the end of 12, it shows that they were in captivity for 430 years and then they instituted the Passover and then the consecration of the firstborn and the Feast of the Unleavened Bread. More instructions that they have and then as they leave they are they are led by a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire but god is so 18 from uh, chapter 13 but god led the people around all by the way of the wilderness toward the red sea the people of israel went up out of the land of egypt equipped for battle Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for Joseph had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones with you from here. So you remember that from when we talked about the story, and Joseph died at 110, 111, however old he was. He died, but he made him promise that you're going to take my bones back, and you're going to bury him in the land of Egypt. They, even in this, basically hurried, rushed, I would think chaotic exodus from Egypt, they still remembered their promise and carried the bones of Joseph out in his bone box and uh, carried it out with them. And then it says, and the Lord went before them by day, this is verse 21, in a pillar of cloud and led them along the way by night in a pillar of fire to give them light and they might travel by day 
and by night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before them. So they have a hot pace on. Uh, the Egyptians, we know that they changed their mind and they come running after him, but probably did not travel at night. But the the the, the uh, Israel, the people of God, traveled day and night. They were probably exhausted when they got to the Red Sea. And that kind of shows because there's some grumbling, pushing back on Moses, giving him a hard time, telling him we just should have died in the land of Egypt. But then Moses stretches out his hand, 1421, Moses stretches out his hand over the sea and the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and made the sea dry land and the waters were divided. The people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground and the waters behind a wall to them on their right and on their left. And the Egyptians pursued and went in after them in the midst of the sea. And then the Lord stretched out his hand over the sea, and the waters may come back upon the Egyptians. And then we get to the last verse, uh, 30 and 30, verse, verse, verses, 30 and 31. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians. So the people feared the Lord. They feared Yehovah. And they believed in the Lord and in his servant, Moses. So that's what we got, 14. We got cool stuff coming, but you don't want to miss it. So come and keep keep plugging in, keep joining us, keep returning for Wake Up to the Word. And we're glad you joined us. And uh, I hope that uh, you'll join us this Sunday, Palm Sunday, at Life Coast Church at the Matanzas High School Auditorium. Come meet us there. You'll see me, uh, bald guy, up on the stage giving a message. We're going to talk about the Passover lamb. And uh, we hope you come because it's really connected to what we do in church called communion. And you don't want to miss it.